I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Previously On, a podcast series created to help you through some of the most complex yet brilliant television ever made. Stranger Things. Complete Season 2. We open in Pittsburgh as a driver wearing a fox mask waits nervously in a van outside a building. An alarm goes off and her accomplices run out, shouting for her to go. Police pursue the van. One of the robbers, called Callie, directs them to a tunnel. As the police approach, she closes her fist and the tunnel collapses, causing the police cars to crash. The collapse was only a hallucination. The van escapes as Callie's nose starts to bleed, and on her wrist, we see a tattoo of the number eight. In Hawkins, Dustin scours his house for quarters. The boys need change for their latest obsession, a game in the local arcade called Dragon's Lair. Dustin dies in the dragon's flames, but boasts that he's still on top of the Dig Dug scoreboard. Keith, the pimply teen in charge of the arcade, reveals Dustin's record has been beaten by 100,000 points by someone called Mad Max. He'll only tell them who it is if Mike will set him up with his sister Nancy. Mike refuses, quite rightly, to play the pimp. Will walks outside and suddenly sees flashes of the upside down. A storm is coming. Mike calls to him and the vision quickly disappears. At the police station, Hopper is met by a journalist called Murray Borman who wants to talk about Barb's disappearance. He thinks the Russians may be involved as he's heard rumours of a girl in the area who has psionic abilities. Hooper belittles his conspiracy theories and goes to deal with an emergency at a pumpkin farm. Nancy and Steve talk about his future outside the school as she edits his college application essay. He's sure he won't get in, but at least he'll get to spend more time with Nancy. A squealing hot rod pulls up next to them, and Billy, an 80s heartthrob villain, gets out with his little sister. His sister skates off without a word. Inside, Will opens his locker to find a clipping from the paper about his reappearance with the message Zombie Boy written on it. In class, Mr Clark, the science teacher, is enthusing about the human brain's infinite abilities as Billy's sister Maxine is introduced. She prefers to be known as Max, though, and the boys recognise their arcade rival. Joyce is working at the store when her new boyfriend, Bob, comes in. They make out in the storage room and Joyce invites him to film night with the family. At the pumpkin farm, all the vegetables are black and rotten. The farmer blames his neighbour for poisoning them. Hopper doubts it, but he notices some strange movements in the cornfield. When he checks it out, he finds nothing but crows. Nancy gets an invite to a Halloween party and she tries to drag Jonathan along with her. He turns her down because he'll be taking Will trick-or-treating. 
Steve interrupts them for a kiss with Nancy and Jonathan wanders away. The boys snoop on Max skating. She leaves but drops something in a bin which the boys race to retrieve. It's a note saying, stop spying on me creeps. <laughs> Will is called away because Joyce arrives to pick him up and he's escorted through the watching students and the other boys wonder if Will is better yet. Joyce takes Will to Hawkins' lab, now managed by the seemingly kindly Dr. Sam Owens. He gets hooked up to brain sensors and tells Dr. Owens about his visions of the Upside Down, causing his brain waves to spike violently. He reveals that he felt an evil coming to kill. To kill you, Owens asks. No, everyone else, he replies. In the lab, Owens sends someone in the portal room with a flamethrower. The Upside Down is spreading outwards and it needs to be burned back. At the arcade, Max shows her wicked skills on Dig Dug, confirming that she is, indeed, THE Mad Max. Steve and Nancy go to dinner with Barb's parents. They're selling their house to pay Murray Bowman to investigate Barb's disappearance. Nancy goes to the toilets and cries because she can't tell them that Barb died in the Upside Down. In his basement, Mike calls for Eleven over the walkie-talkie, saying it's day 352 of his attempts to contact her. The radio crackles and he hears Eleven's voice. He calls back, but only gets Dustin and Lucas talking about Max. Outside his house, Dustin hears animal noises, but goes inside. His trash can rattles ominously. Will is in his room drawing pictures of Zombie Boy when Jonathan comes in to comfort him. He'd rather be friends with a Zombie Boy freak than someone normal. They go to join Bob and Joyce for film night. That night in Hawkins' lab, all the alarms begin to sound. Will wakes up and sees red lights flashing outside. He follows them and sees the storm from the upside down. There's something moving in the storm, a vast and long-legged monster. Hopper drives through the woods to a hidden cabin and approaches it, dodging tripwires. After doing a special knock on the door, he enters. Inside, Eleven is watching TV and bollocks him for being late. The two eat a very awkward dinner. In a flashback to the moments after disintegrating the Demogorgon at the end of last season, Eleven wakes up in the upside-down version of the school. She wanders through the halls alone, calling out for Mike, until she finds a portal to the real world. She blasts it open with her powers and escapes. Eleven returns to Mike's house, but finds it crawling with government agents. They're questioning Mike's family and planting listening devices in the telephones. As the agents warn Mike that Eleven is dangerous, he catches a glimpse of her through the curtains. Eleven flees before they can catch her, hiding in the woods. In the present, Eleven puts a sheet over her head and asks Hopper to let her go trick-or-treating. He tells her she has to stay inside, sheet or no sheet. Instead, he suggests they have a night in eating candy. Will's preparing for Halloween by dressing as a Ghostbuster when Joyce discovers one of his sketches of the spider monster from his visions of the Upside Down, but he claims it's just for a story he's writing. The other boys arrive at school in their costumes. No one else at school is dressed up, though, and the boys are met with jeers. Joyce shows Will's drawing to Hopper, but he puts it down to Will's PTSD. At Hawkins' lab, a researcher is sent into the Upside Down. His video feed shows his attempts to fix a monitoring station the lab is using to investigate the other dimension. As Nancy and Steve study in the library, she thinks she sees Barb. Nancy wants to tell Barb's parents about her death, but Steve tells her she can't. They won't believe her, and anyway, the government will just end up coming for them. Dustin and Lucas ask Max to join them trick-or-treating. Despite their cool outfits, she's unimpressed, reminding them of their attempts to spy on her. In her hidden cabin, Eleven is watching TV, using her mind to change the channels. 
The noise outside draws her to the window, but it's just a squirrel. It reminds her of a time when she was alone in the woods hunting a squirrel with her mental powers when a hunter found her. She stole his jacket after knocking him out with a log. Hopper arrives at the police station to discover more pumpkin fields have been destroyed and more farmers accusing each other of poisoning their crops. At the farms, every pumpkin is rotten and the vegetation is covered in goo. After school, Max is picked up by her brother Billy. He gives her a hard time for being late. Billy hates Hawkins and blames Max for them being stuck there. When she refuses to admit it's her fault, he floors the accelerator and aims his cars at the boys cycling home. Max grabs the wheel and steers it away from them just in time. Enjoying a more private Halloween, Joyce tries to warn Bob off her by saying hers is not a normal family. Bob doesn't seem to care. Meanwhile, at a more rowdy Halloween party, Nancy enjoys a little too much of a potent punch and gets absolutely blasted. While trick-or-treating, the boys are attacked by a knife-wielding Michael Myers. Everyone's impressed by Max's costume except Mike. As Dustin and Lucas chat to Max, Mike complains to Will about her presence. Hopper, staking out the affected pumpkin fields, realises he's forgotten about his promise to meet Eleven. He races back to the cabin, where Eleven had remembered discovering the stash of egos that Hopper left out for in the woods. Left behind by the others, Will is startled by some teens who call him Zombie Boy. He falls over and is knocked into the upside down. He drops the camcorder Bob gave him. The monstrous spider creature rises up into the clouds and reaches out for him. Will runs and hides as an arm reaches for him, but it's Mike's. Will's back in the real world and gets taken home. At the Halloween party, Jonathan arrives as a drunken Nancy tells Steve she doesn't love him. Steve storms out and Nancy gets taken home by Jonathan. Will explains to Mike that he feels trapped, caught between the real world and the upside down. He tells him about the huge shadow monster that's coming for him, but swears him to secrecy. Mike wishes Eleven was there to help. Hopper arrives at the cabin to find that Eleven has barricaded herself in her room and taken the TV with her. She uses the white noise of the TV to enter the void realm where she can contact people. She finds Mike attempting to contact her through his walkie-talkie. He senses her presence, but can't see her, leaving her alone in the darkness. When Dustin returns home, he finds his trash can rattling. He looks inside and sees... something, as the episode cuts to black. We begin post-trick-or-treat with Dustin returning home. When initially making a very awkward attempt to play it cool when he was asked how the night went, leading to a suspicious mum asking if he's constipated again, the thing from the bin he'd stashed inside his Ghostbusters prop suddenly moves. But before Mum can react, his quick thinking throws her off the scent and he scarpers up to his bedroom. Once inside, Dustin pops an odd creature into his glass tortoise home. It reacts badly to the bright light, so he turns it off. He then feeds the odd little tadpole-looking thing some chocolate from his Three Musketeers bar. This is set a couple of months before Gremlins was released, so he wasn't to know. He then names the little critter D'Artagnan. Later, with Dustin asleep, inside the glass case, D'Artagnan begins to spasm violently. Elsewhere, it's flashback time. We see Hopper walk through a snowy forest in the twilight, watched by Eleven from behind a tree. He leaves food in a chest and leaves. Just as he's about to drive away, Eleven appears to him. Back in the present, Eleven is still angry with Hopper about his reluctance to let her leave the cabin, stating he keeps saying soon and now it's day 326. She pushes for an answer, but Hopper doesn't have one, and a furious Eleven uses her powers to fling the breakfast off the table before storming away to her room. 
While driving Will to school, Bob discusses the nightmares Will has been suffering and tells him about his own similar experience with dreams about a clown named Mr. Boldo. He explains that he overcame his fears by simply telling Mr. Boldo to go away in his dream. At the police station, Hopper is marking cases of ruined pumpkins onto a map when he suddenly pulls it from the wall and begins drawing circles around the affected areas, realising that Hawkins' lab sits bang in the middle. At the cabin in the woods, so many pop culture references, Eleven puts her coat on and walks to the front door. We return to flashback mode. We see Hopper lead Eleven to the cabin. He explains it's going to be a new home. He pops some vinyl on the record player and we enjoy a montage of the pair fixing the place up, including tripwires, booby traps and an impressive installation of Eggo waffles. As Hopper reads the ground rules of a new home, we jump to present day. Eleven is breaking every one of those rules. She opens the curtains, opens the door and finally walks out into the sunlight and off into the forest with a very serious look on her face. At school, Nancy and Steve have an argument about the party that only escalates when she struggles to tell him she loves him. Elsewhere, Dustin introduces the gang, including Max, to D'Artagnan. Dustin drops a stack of books on reptiles to the table and explains he thought the creature was a type of polywog, which is another name for tadpole, but that it doesn't tick enough boxes. Excited, he now believes he's discovered a whole new species. Will, however, looks unconcerned as we flash back. Will's coughing up something very similar to D'Artagnan in his bathroom, and it escapes down the plug hole. The school bell rings and the gang disperse. Hopper is at Hawkins' lab with the map demanding Dr. Owens takes his scientists out to the affected patches to check what's going on. At the edge of the forest, Eleven sees a mum pushing a toddler on a swing. We enter flashback again and Hopper reads a story to her and she asks about her own mother. He sadly tells Eleven her mother is gone. Back to the present and the lady from the swing points Eleven in the direction of the school. Before any questions can be asked, Eleven distracts her by making the swing spin violently and she nips off. Having heard Bob's camcorder was a little broken, Joyce plays the tape from Halloween night. She sees Will drop the camera and call for Mike as the picture distorts. Pausing the image, Joyce sees a strange outline. She traces it and in horror realises it's the same weird giant spider-like creature Will has been drawing. Back in school, Will reveals his fear to the group that D'Artagnan, now Dart for short, is from the upside down. The group consider that Will hasn't been experiencing flashbacks at all, but can maybe see into the Upside Down. As they argue about what to do, Dart becomes agitated inside the Ghostbusters prop. Dustin opens it and the creature plops out, sprouts two rear legs and escapes into the school. As you do. At the Wheeler house, Nancy and Jonathan phone Barb's mum in a bid to come clean about what they know. As they arrange to meet, we cut to a line of seated men in headphones listening in on the call. Hopper receives a call on his radio from officers with the woman at the swing that alerts him Eleven might have left the cabin. The gang are searching for Dart at the school as Eleven arrives. She hears Mike's voice from the hall and smiles as she sees him. Her brief happiness shifts to jealousy, however, when she sees Max riding a skateboard around him and the pair laughing. With a flick of her head, she makes Max fall from her board. Eleven's eyes fill with tears and she leaves. Max explains it felt like something pulled her board. Realisation washes over Mike who suddenly rushes out looking for Eleven. Will hears Dart in the bathroom and cautiously approaches, radioing for backup as he does. The creature screeches, sending Will running to the corridor. The lights stutter, and he's suddenly in the upside-down version of the school. A cloud of dark smoke bursts from a room and begins to chase Will down the corridors. In the normal world, Dustin and Dart reunite, but when the others arrive, the question of where the hell Will is is raised. 
only they knew. Will runs from the school into the darkness of the Upside Down, then remembering the advice of Bob, he stops and turns, facing the huge many-legged beast that towers overhead, dwarfing the school. He screams, go away! But rather than doing that, it engulfs him, its smoky tentacles pouring into Will through his mouth and nose. Crap advice, Bob. We begin at the school. Joyce has arrived as the gang frantically search for Will. Lucas bursts through a door breathless and says two words. The field. On the field, Mike is alongside Will, who seems to be having some sort of seizure. Standing upright, his eyes closed but active, his body is twitching as Joyce desperately tries to wake him. In the upside down, we see Will wide-eyed and terrified as the huge creature pours smoke-like into his body via every orifice. Ugh. As the last tendrils of the beast enter Will, he suddenly opens his eyes in the real world and gasps. Joyce escorts her son from the school as the others discuss how his episodes are becoming more and more frequent. Back at home, Joyce shows him the tracing she made from the TV screen of the same creature Will had drawn in a bid to get him to open up. He agrees, telling his mum he saw the creature on the field during his recent episode. But as he begins to talk further, he slowly breaks down into tears, telling Joyce he doesn't know what the creature is, but that he tried to make it go away. But it got him. Eleven arrives back at the cabin where a furious hopper awaits. They argue in rapidly escalating anger. A livid hopper declares she's grounded, a week with no egos and no TV. But as he goes to move the telly, Eleven uses her powers to stop him from lifting it. Patience gone, he rips the cable out, much to Eleven's distress. In a rage, she physically attacks him with a book in a chair, then topples a bookcase and slams her door. As Hopper bangs furiously on the door, Eleven cries, slumps to the ground and screams, shattering every window in a cascade of broken glass. The next morning, Nancy and Jonathan meet up and head off to meet Barb's mum. Joyce is worried that Will is feeling unwell. She takes his temperature to check for fever and is surprised to find that he's actually cold. Dustin feeds his pet Dart, now safely back in the glass case in his bedroom before heading off to school. Once there, he finds Mike, Lucas and Max digging through the bins, looking for Dart. Dustin keeps it quiet that he's already found his pet and has him safely at home tucking into chocolate. Joyce runs Will a nice hot bath in an attempt to warm him up, but as he approaches it, he's crippled by anxiety. He pulls the plug and tells his mum it's too hot. She says she'll just cool it down a bit, but Will declares no in a very commanding yet ominous way, and then on a whole new level of ominous, says he likes it cold, referring not to himself, but to the thing that entered him, if you catch my drift. At the cabin, a remorseful hopper begins to apologise, then backtracks and tells Eleven to clean the place up. He leaves and gets a message that Joyce has called eight times that morning for him. Nancy and Jonathan sit on a park bench awaiting Barb's mum. As they wait, suspicions rise fast that they're being watched. They decide to leave, but they get apprehended by a group of disguised agents. Suspicions confirmed then. Hopper arrives at Joyce's where Will opens up. He says he now knows things that he didn't before, like old memories that are not his but that are happening now. With Will struggling to explain, Joyce notices a hand-drawn picture of his Dungeons & Dragons character, Will the Wise, and asks if he might find it easier if he drew what he meant. Will begins to scribble like a kid possessed, which technically... At school, Mike drags the gang to the AV room, leaving a disappointed Max out of the gathering. There he reveals what happened on Halloween night, that Will saw a strange shadow in the sky, and that maybe Will saw the same thing during his more recent episode, suggesting that perhaps their friend can see into the Upside Down. Mike suggests they find Dart, as it may offer some answers. Dustin looked a bit awkward. 
Detained at the lab, Nancy and Jonathan are shown the gate to the Upside Down by Dr. Owens. He tells them they can't seem to destroy the gate but can contain it. He then declares it a matter of national security that this remains a secret and that he'll use whatever means necessary to ensure just that. Will's bedroom floor is littered with his scribblings. Joyce and Hopper struggle to make any sense of it. While looking at the papers, however, Joyce realises the image connect like a jigsaw puzzle to create one large picture. The completed work is spread across the floor and seems to depict a mass of blue tendrils or tunnels. Hopper realises Will is drawing vines that are spreading under Hawkins and heads off to confirm his suspicions. Back at school, Billy sees his stepsister Max talking to Lucas and warns her to stay away from him. At the cabin, Eleven finds a stash of paperwork under the floorboards and stumbles upon a file on Terry Ives, a former test subject of Dr Brenner who claimed she had a child born with special powers. She tries to make contact through a photograph and a radio and finds Terry sitting in a chair mumbling seemingly random words and directions to herself. She suddenly opens her eyes and stares at Eleven. She speaks the name Jane, and emotional, Eleven responds, Mom? She places her hand upon Terry's, but the vision vanishes and Eleven is left scrambling in the darkness, desperately calling for her mother. Back in the cabin, she breaks down in tears. <laughs> Mike goes to see Will. Joyce is reluctant to let him, but changes her mind after Mike mentions the shadow monster. Nancy and Jonathan are escorted from the lab. As they drive away, Nancy pulls a tape recorder from a bag and plays back the admission from Dr Owens. Sneaky. They agree to carry out a plan to burn the lab to the ground. Dustin returns home to find the glass case smashed and dart gone. Startled by noises in his room, he investigates and finds a now cat-sized dart eating his actual cat, Muse. The creature screeches at Dustin, and he realises that dart is actually a baby demogorgon. At a pumpkin patch, Hopper digs into the ground and uncovers the same vines that Will drew. Digging deeper, he breaks through and drops inside. Instantly disturbed, he realises he's just landed smack-bang. In the upside down. We open with Joyce. She wanders through her home looking over the manic vine scribblings Will did, which now cover the floor and walls of the entire buyer's house. She places the final piece of the monstrous jigsaw. Will's in his room talking to Mike. He explains how he can feel and see what the shadow monster is seeing and feeling, saying the monster is reaching into Hawkins and the more it spreads, the stronger its connection to him becomes. Mike tries to comfort his friend by suggesting he's now like a super spy, but a pale, shivering Will isn't so convinced. Hopper's in the upside down. He walks by a flashlight through a gloomy, winding tunnel system, edgy, scared, and with his gun drawn. Without warning, growths on the tunnel walls spit an unknown liquid into his face. He coughs, staggers, and falls to the floor unconscious. Above him, his entry point into the upside down seals over. Back at the buyer's residence, Will wakes with a start and sits bolt upright in bed. He finds Joyce and tells her he saw Hopper in trouble and thinks he might die. Will might be right. Hopper wakes up in the Upside Down in a bad way, coughing up a gloopy, syrupy substance as he struggles to stand. Finding his feet, he picks up the flashlight and marches forward straight into a dead end. He removes a sleeve, holding it to his face to protect against further attack from the walls, and walks deeper into the labyrinth. At Dustin's house, his mum is desperately looking for the family cat Muse, last seen in lunch form for Dustin's other pet, Dart the Demogorgon. He lies to his mum that the cat's been spotted some miles away to throw off the scent. With mum out of the way, Dustin dons hockey gear and searches for Dart. 
Leaving a trail of food, he races from the house and watches from the safety of the shed as Dart appears at the front door. The little demogorgon spots him and closes in, forcing Dustin into action. Rushing out, he hits Dart with his hockey stick through the open doors of the cellar and then slams them shut, trapping the creature. Eleven's on the road. She hitches a ride to the home of Terry Ives, who she believes is her mother. The door's opened by Terry's sister, Becky, potentially Eleven's auntie. Becky mistakes her for someone door-to-door -door selling and tells her to get lost. But Eleven's having none of it and, using her powers, unlocks the chain, swings the door open and informs a shocked Becky she wants to see Mama. Inside the house, Terry rocks in a chair, repeating the same words she spoke when Eleven found her via less traditional methods last episode. Eleven introduces herself as Jane, but her mother looks at her and simply continues with a cycle of seemingly random words. Nancy and Jonathan have arrived at the home of paranoid private investigator Murray Bauman, once hired by Barb's parents to find their daughter. Murray shows them a wall of his work on the case, a mass of cuttings, notes and clues. Nancy immediately begins to point out the errors in his findings, telling him he might want to sit down in preparation for the real story. Lucas sets up a meeting with Max at the arcade. He sits her down and tells her the truth about what actually happened to Will last year. Back at the buyer's home, Will draws the location within the tunnels where he saw Hopper. Joyce and Mike match it to a piece of the drawings on the wall, but as they struggle to work out where the location might be, Bob arrives. Being something of a wizard puzzles, they enlist Bob the Brain to help find Hopper's location, although they sensibly keep the part about Hopper being in the Upside Down a secret. Bob's skills immediately kick in. Picking out landmarks based upon the shapes of the tunnels, he announces what Will has drawn is not a puzzle, but a map of Hawkins. Deep in the tunnels of the Upside Down, Hopper realises that the tendrils are afraid of fire. He fashions a torch from an old bone in his shirts and clears some writhing tendrils from the wall that he begins to dig up, seeking escape. Elsewhere, as Eleven and Aunt Becky bond, the lights in the house begin to flicker and Eleven realises her mother is trying to communicate. She walks to Terry and wipes a small trickle of blood from her nose, like mother like daughter. The TV suddenly begins to jump through the channels, stopping on a fuzzy screen of white noise. Eleven creepily declares, Mama wants to talk. Bob solves the map puzzle and states the location where Hopper should be before they all race from the house, including a slightly confused Bob. With Dustin struggling to find his friends, he enlists the help of Steve and his nail-peppered baseball bat to deal with Dart. In the Upside Down, an exhausted Hopper takes a breather and lies back to smoke a cigarette. His break is cut short, however, when a mass of tendrils wrap around his body, pinning him terrified to the floor. At the arcade, Max, quite sensibly, doesn't believe a word that Lucas has said and demands proof. As she leaves, her stepbrother Billy notices Lucas and again warns his sister about spending time with him. At Murray's house, he explains to Nancy and Jonathan that a tape recording of Dr. Owens might need watering down if the story is to be taken seriously. They decide to alter the facts on the case in a bid to make it more believable, but still serious enough to get the lab shut down. At Hawkins' lab, Dr. Owens realises that soil samples from the rotten pumpkin patch are infected by the Upside Down. Eleven is ready to communicate with her mother. She puts a blindfold on and enters the darkness of the void. There she sees the trauma as Terry goes into premature labour. A baby is delivered by caesarean section. The doctor lowers his face mask and reveals himself as Dr. Brenner. In the recovery room, Terry asks for her baby, Jane, but is told by Becky that the child didn't make it. Terry refuses to believe it and tries to leave but is restrained and injected by lab staff. We cut to a safe and a combination being entered. 
Terry removes a gun. Entering the lab, she shoots a security guard and scours the room for a daughter. Walking into a room marked with a rainbow, she finds two young girls. We realise that this is some years after the birth of Jane. She reaches out but is dragged away screaming. Restrained on a bed, Terry looks into the face of Dr Brenner as she's cruelly lobotomised. The story replays in rapid scenes as each word Terry's been repeating on a loop is revealed as a key point in the events. A bit like hold the door, I guess. In a field in Hawkins, Joyce and a newly enlightened Bob dig in search of Hopper. They drop into the tunnels and begin to search. Up top, Will and Mike see a convoy of vehicles from the lab closing in. Joyce and Bob find Hopper tangled in the tendrils and cut him free, just as fully equipped soldiers from the lab enter, shepherding them out before letting rip with flamethrowers. The fire rips through the tunnels and tendrils in the upside down, whilst up top, Will falls to the ground, his face horribly contorted in pain as his body writhes on the floor. Will is rushed to Hawkins' lab as he screams in agony, his body overheating. Hopper, meanwhile, is sprayed down with hoses to wash the contamination of the tunnels off him. Steve and Dustin return to the cellar where Dart the Demogorgon is trapped. Instead of a disgruntled demon, they find that Dart has grown yet again and burrowed out to freedom. Nancy, Jonathan and Bowman spend an evening copying the secret recording they made of Dr Owens describing the Upside Down, getting ready to send them to the newspapers. When Nancy and Jonathan stay late, they share a kiss and then a bed for the night. At Hawkins' lab, a still vomiting hopper is taken to the portal room and shown how it's growing. The gate to the Upside Down now covers an entire wall and the tunnels he got lost in are radiating out from it. When Joyce tells Bob all about Will's adventures in the Upside Down, he takes it surprisingly well. It's just like someone from one of his comic books. Will wakes up at last and calls for his mum, but doesn't have any idea who Bob is. Will can't remember anything after his first disappearance. All he can remember is that soldiers with flamethrowers hurt him, the him being the shadow monster from the Upside Down. When Dr Owens burns a tendril from the tunnels, Will reacts too. Everything infected by the Upside Down is connected to a hive mind. After Dustin puts out a code red, Lucas heads over to Max's house and breaks her out from her brother Billy's control. Lucas says he's got proof of what he told her last episode, so the two head off to the junkyard to help hunt for Dart. Steve and Dustin are using cubes of meat to lure Dart to them and bonding over the best way to get a girl. The secret, apart from great hair, is to pretend not to care. Hmm, not sure. Hopper uses his radio to tell Eleven that he's sorry for being gone so long but gets no reply. He doesn't know she's left the cabin. When Dr Owens and the doctors describe what's happening to Will's brain, everyone concludes that they must begin to burn the upside down again. Only Owen holds out. Will reveals to Mike that he thinks he's got a way to stop the monster. There is something the monster's trying to hide from him and he tells the soldiers where to go to find it. At the junkyard, Dustin and Steve set up traps for Dart with the help of Lucas and Max. With night falling, Dustin and the others hide in an abandoned school bus to wait. Dart arrives but ignores the bait, forcing Steve to go out and confront it. But Dart's not alone, and Steve is surrounded by more Demogorgons that chase him back into the bus. Demogorgons begin to tear it apart, but suddenly turn and run away. In the tunnels beneath the town, the soldiers arrive where Will sent them, but they find nothing but bones. The Demogorgons appear, and it doesn't go well. Their signals cut out one by one as they get torn to pieces. Will tells his mother that he's sorry. The soldiers upset him and he was forced to set a trap. Will is the shadow monster's spy. Will tells his mother to run. 
They're almost here, in the control room. Hopper and Dr. Owens watch as the Demogorgons emerge from the tunnel. And we're back. Not in Hawkins' lab where the Demogorgons have just been unleashed, but with Eleven and her mother Terry exchanging memories of Eleven's birth and kidnapping. Eleven sees another child that was with her in the lab. Terry kept records of other missing children and Eleven recognises one. She tries to track her down via the void and sees her in Chicago. The other girl is Callie, the girl with the psychic powers from the first episode of this series. When Eleven's aunt reports her presence to someone on the telephone, Eleven steals some cash and legs it. She finds Callie's associates in a run-down factory. When one threatens Eleven with a knife, Callie projects an image of spiders into his mind to scare him off. Eleven shows off her telekinetic powers and the two bond over the numbers tattooed on their wrists, calling each other sister. Callie and Eleven, now going by birth name Jane, talks about their pasts and powers. Jane's welcome to the gang, her new home. Callie explains to the gang how Eleven found her with just an image. This is a skill that can be useful to the gang as they're tracking people down. In the void, Eleven hears the radio message Hopper sent to her apologising for being gone until Callie wakes her and introduces her to the gang. They're fighters and they're targeting the people at Hawkins' lab who are responsible for what happened to them. When they do find one of the bad men, they shoot them dead and Callie wants Eleven's help. Callie gets Eleven to focus her energy and powers by embracing her anger at the bad men. With this training, Eleven's able to drag a whole train towards her. She uses her new strength to trace Ray Carroll, one of the assistants from Hawkins' lab who gave her mother electroshock therapy and brutalised Callie. Before they can go on the mission, however, it's necessary to give Eleven a bitchin' makeover montage. The gang stops off to rob a gas station, Callie distracting the owner with the vision of an overflowing toilet. When he emerges to see them pocketing his merchandise, he pulls a gun and Eleven flings him against a wall and knocks him out. They drive off as police sirens approach. The gang don masks and barge into Ray's apartment with Eleven unlocking the door with a mind. They force Ray into a chair and ransack his house. Callie reveals her face to Ray but he's got no idea who she is until she forces an image of them as children into his mind. Eleven chucks him about the room and Ray blames everything that happened on Dr. Brenner. He offers to give up Brenner's location. When Eleven says he's dead, Ray insists he's still alive, but Eleven chokes him anyway. She breaks off when she sees a picture of Ray's two daughters. The gang find the daughters in their room calling the police. Eleven refuses to kill Ray and hurls Callie's gun out of the window when she tries to shoot him. The police pull up and the gang speed off. At their hideout, Callie tells Eleven how she used her powers to escape the lab and found a home for herself, but had to abandon it to fight back. Eleven's got to choose now to hide or fight. Callie shows Eleven a vision of Dr. Brenner to spark her fury, and Eleven's given the chance to stay in the gang. Police around the factory as Eleven recalls her time with Mike. She journeys into the void and sees Mike running to Hopper, warning of the coming Demogorgon attack on Hawkins' lab. Callie's powers confuse the police and they escape, but Eleven chooses not to go with them. She has to get back to Hawkins, and you know what? So do we. We're back in Hawkins' lab. Hopper looks through the glass as a demodog, the final stage before a fully grown demogorgon, emerges from the upside down. The beast slams itself against the glass separating them, but can't break through. To the horror of everyone watching, more and more demodogs enter the lab and begin throwing themselves into the glass, which slowly begins to crack. Dr. Owen sounds the alarm. Elsewhere in the lab, Mike warns Bob and Joyce they're under attack. 
As the panicked evacuation begins, the demodogs shatter the glass and spill out. Mike tells Joyce they need to sedate Will, stating he's a spy, and if he knows where they are, then so does the shadow monster. Angry Will calls him a liar. When Will struggles to remember who Joyce is, she agrees, and they sedate him. The demodogs begin to kill everyone inside the lab. Hopper bursts into Will's room, and together the group run, Will unconscious in Hopper's arms. The demodogs continue the slaughter around them as they desperately look for an exit. Entering a room off a corridor, they see the extent of the dead on a bank of CCTV screens. Suddenly, just to put the icing on an already terrifying cake, the power goes out, plunging them into darkness. Away from the carnage, Max's mum and stepdad Susan and Neil arrive home to find that she's gone. Neil asks Billy where she is and the two end up arguing. When Billy says Max isn't his sister anyway, Neil grabs his son and holds him against a wardrobe, slapping him across the face and demanding he apologise to Susan. He then orders Billy to cancel his plans and find his sister. Even further away, Dustin, Steve, Lucas and Max are walking deep into the forest on the hunt for the rapidly growing Dart and the Demodogs. Coincidentally, the name of my next band. Hearing noises of the beasts, they realise they're at the lab. Inside the room at the lab, a plan is being drawn up. As the only one with the knowledge to reprogram the computers and unlock the doors, Bob will head to the basement, where Dr. Owens informs them the breakers are housed to restore power, open the exits and allow everyone to escape. Bob grabs a gun and walkie-talkie from a dead guard, gets a quick lesson in shooting from Hopper and begins his descent. Outside the lab, Nancy and Jonathan arrive in search of Mike and Will and bump into Steve and the gang. In the depths of the lab, the awesome Bob turns out to be the hero we've all been waiting for as he negotiates those poor souls killed by demodogs and restores the power. With the lab back in business, Bob taps away manically on a keyboard, then announces over the walkie-talkies, Open Sesame, and the doors unlock. Back outside, the gate to the lab also slides open, offering a way inside for the group. Just as Bob prepares to return, Dr. Owens warns him a demodog is nearby, having seen it on CCTV. Quick thinking, Bob turns a sprinkler system on, sending the beast scarpering, then undoes his stellar work by foolishly exiting without his gun. Joyce, Mike and Hopper, armed with a machine gun and carrying Will over his shoulder, leave the CCTV room. Dr. Owens decides to stay and guide them over the cameras. Hopper and co. quickly reach the exit. Dr. Owens begins to direct Bob as he looks for a clear way out. A demodog suddenly rounds a corner and Owens tells Bob to quickly enter a nearby closet. Petrified, Bob sees the beast shadow pause outside the door, but then move away. With Owens in his ear, Bob exits the closet slowly, but clumsily knocks a broom over that hits the floor with a bang, just when it was going so well. He runs with the demodog rapidly chasing him down, gets through a door and shuts it, blocking the beast. He turns to see a relieved Joyce, and at that moment a demodog takes him down and savages him. A rescue attempt by Hopper is in vain as more beasts arrive on the scene, and poor Bob is killed. R.I.P. Bob the Brave. Jonathan arrives in his car and screams at them to get in. At the gate to the lab, Jonathan's car tears by, followed by Hopper in his police truck. Dustin and the gang jump in and flee. Everyone regroups at the buyer's house. Joyce is comforted by Hopper as she grieves for Bob the Brave. Mike has a light bulb moment when the group wonder how they can defeat an army from the upside down, suggesting perhaps they only have to kill the shadow monster. Dustin compares the monster to the Mind Flayer, another creature from Dungeons and Dragons, in that it wants to take over the entire world. A decision is made that the monster must be killed, and to find out how best to do that, 
Mike suggests they speak to Will. Disguising the shed to confuse the shadow monster that lives inside Will as to its location, the group tie him up and start an interrogation. Will, however, begins to freak out and screams at them to let him go. As it seems a lost cause, Hopper notices Will tapping his fingers against the chair and excitedly realises it's Morse code with the message, Here. The group begin to share old memories with Will as his tapping is transmitted back to the house and translated. The word closed gate is decoded just as the phone rings alerting the shadow monster to their location. Will is sedated once again as Hopper declares it knows where they are. Outside the ominous house of the Demodogs fill the air. The group take refuge back in the house, arm themselves and prepare for attack as the monsters surround the building. There's sudden movement outside and the sound of squealing in pain. A dead Demodog shatters the window and lands upon the floor in front of the shocked group. The front door begins to unlock itself, the chain unhooking. Then, with the group poised to fight, in walks Eleven. Oh yeah! We open with emotions high as Mike and Eleven are reunited in the buyer's living room. Finally! I mean, oh. Mike says he never gave up on her and called every night. Eleven tells him that she heard. It comes to light that Hopper was hiding her, much to Mike's annoyance. The pair nip into another room to talk it out, with Hopper explaining he was protecting Eleven. Mike, though, is having none of it, and flies way off the handle, attacking him with punches. Hopper restrains a tearful Mike and comforts him. Back in the main room, Eleven is reunited with Lucas and Dustin. Max attempts an introduction, but still jealous, Eleven brushes past her to Joyce. At the Wheeler house, Billy arrives looking for Max. After some shameless and slightly uncomfortable to watch flirting with Mike's mum, he leaves with the address to the buyer's house. Back at the buyer's, Eleven's convinced she can close the gate to the upside down, but Hopper is worried. Mike, however, throws a different spanner into the works when he points out that if they close the gate and kill the shadow monster, they might also kill Will. This news springs Joyce into action. She remembers that Will said the shadow monster likes it cold. The group decide to try to make Will an uninhabitable host for the beast by warming things up. They need a place the shadow monster doesn't know. Cue Hopper offering the cabin in the woods. Jonathan and Nancy, with Steve's blessing, and Joyce drive for the cabin with an unconscious Will. Having only just reunited, Mike and Eleven are parted again and almost kiss before Hopper intervenes, telling her they've got to get to the lab. En route, there is reconciliation. Eleven tells Hopper she went to see Mama, but that she shouldn't have left, while Hopper says he should have been there for her. He opens up about his own daughter, Sarah, explaining that losing her is why he gets so angry when trying to protect Eleven. At the buyers, a madcap plan is underway. Mike, Dustin, Lucas and Max believe if they set fire on a central part of the upside-down tunnels, they can draw the Demodogs away from the lab and give Eleven a clear run at the gate. Steve's not so keen. The plans are interrupted when Billy arrives. Steve heads out to meet him, but Billy knocks him to the ground and bursts into the house for Max. Inside, he grabs Lucas, threatening him. Steve returns and the two fight. As Billy gets the upper hand and beats a helpless Steve, Max grabs a syringe and sinks it into a brother's neck. Sedated, he drops to the floor and passes out. Jonathan, Nancy, Joyce and Will are at the cabin and begin to turn the heat up on the shadow monster. Having stolen Billy's car, Mike and the gang, including a brutally beaten and mildly delirious Steve, head for the tunnels armed with cans of gasoline. The cabin is sweltering in the extreme heat when Will wakes up tied to a bed. He begins to freak out, screaming to be let go, but remembering what happened to Bob, Joyce only turns the heat up further. 
Elsewhere, Mike and co have entered the tunnels and search for the central point. Hopper and Eleven are inside the bloodstained lab. They find Dr. Owens alive, but in a very bad way. As he's patched up by Hopper, he's stunned to see Eleven. Hopper asks him to help her lead a normal life once all this is over. Back in the tunnels, the group find the central area and begin to douse it in gasoline. There's panic in the cabin when the black veins of the shadow monster pop up through Will's neck and face. He breaks a restraint and begins to choke Joyce. Jonathan struggles to free his mum, so Nancy jabs Will in the side with a red-hot poker, which seems to do the trick, not surprisingly. With the tunnels now swimming in fuel, Steve lights it up. In the lab, Hopper charges a room full of demodogs with his machine gun poised, and in the cabin, Will screeches in pain. Hooper is stopped in his tracks at the sight of frantic demodogs leaving the area back to the depths of the Upside Down through the gate. The shadow monster pours like smoke from Will's mouth in the cabin. It then bursts from the door and shoots off into the sky. Inside, a slightly sweaty Will opens his eyes and hugs his mum. In the depths of the lab, Eleven and Hopper stand before the gate. Eleven begins to use her powers to close it, blood immediately running from her nose and the ominous shape of the shadow monster silhouettes in the light behind the portal. In the tunnels, Mike has been snared by a vine and struggles to break free as the others rush to help. Steve breaks the vine with his baseball bat, but as they turn to leave, a demodog corners them. Dustin recognises the beast as his old friend Dart. He feeds it some chocolate, bids a fond farewell, and then scarpers. Just before Dustin and Steve can be lifted from the tunnels, they're swamped by demodogs, then stunned as the beasts ignore them and run straight past. The creatures instead close in on Hopper and Eleven, summoned by the shadow monster. Hopper opens fire, killing them as they get near. The shadow monster pours through the gate towards Eleven, but recalling the worst events of her life, she raises both hands and screams, levitating from the ground as the monster is sent back to the upside down and the gate is sealed. All the demodogs die, including Dart, and Hopper holds an exhausted Eleven, telling her she did good. Slight understatement. We cut to one month later. The military leave the now-closed Hawkins lab after the incriminating tape was released, driving a deliriously happy Murray Bowman as they go. Barb's long-overdue funeral takes place. Hopper meets Dr. Owens in a bar, where Owens presents him with a forged birth certificate, making him Eleven's official father. All the gang, including Eleven, are assembled at school for a Christmas ball. Lucas and Max dance together, and Mike and Eleven are reunited. And this time, they kiss. As we pan out from this happiest of endings, we shift to the Upside Down, where the very much still alive shadow monster still looms large over the school. Thanks for listening. Hope it's been helpful. Listen, if you've enjoyed this, I would love it if you subscribed. We've got loads more shows where this came from and we'd love you to join us for them. A five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from would also be absolutely fantastic. If you've got any feedback or ideas for a show that we should be covering, we'll almost certainly be doing the big ones, but you never know, there may be others that we've missed. Let us know. I'd love to hear from you over on Twitter. You can find us at Previous Podcast or just email us hello at previouslyon.co.uk. Previously On is presented by Jamie East and is a Daft Doris production.
a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.